Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey, if you have your Bible this morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians chapter 1, and I'll give you a moment uh, to get there today. And while you're doing that, let me just tell you about this chainsaw and why it's sitting up here, why I brought it in today. Um, I, many of you, some of you know, I like, I like woodworking. I, I like to build things. I, I, I've made, um, I don't know, a little piece of furniture for my granddaughter to put her doll clothes in. I've made some jewelry boxes, just some little stuff like that. And that has led me to get to the place where I like the idea of actually making your own lumber. I just think that's very cool to be able to take a log and turn it into lumber. Take a walnut tree or, or uh, 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 an oak tree and turn it into lumber. And YouTube is, is you know, it's what we're all about nowadays, it seems like. So I get on YouTube and Ruthie laughs at me because it fascinates me. I'll watch these guys mill this lumber up for, for like an hour in the evening, just watching video after, it's just the coolest thing, man. Um, and so I thought for a while, I thought I'd kind of like to do that. I'd like to make my own lumber and then turn it into furniture and turn it into projects. And I got to pricing some of the big bandsaw mills, which are basically just two big wheels with a bandsaw blade between them. And, and they turn it on its side and run it down and cut down logs and I priced them and it's just way too much money for a hobby who I may do it you know two weeks and decide man that's a lot of hard work I don't ever want to do that again so that was out so the next thing was a chainsaw mill they make these things called chainsaw mills which let you take a chainsaw and actually turn it and, and turn a log into lumber now this isn't you know rep, uh, really relatively speaking a very big chainsaw but I've been I'd been searching on Facebook and I found this saw and I bought it and I ordered a meal. I, I ordered the least expensive meal you can get. It was $35 on Amazon. $35, yeah. Which is a whole lot less than what those others I was talking about are. And basically, it clamps on the blade, and there's a track out here that you put a two by four on top of the log, which is laying horizontal, and the track fastens on the two by four, and it rotates, it has a pivot, and it rotates like this, and you can take this saw and run it down the side of the length of a log and create a board and then do it, move it over and do it again and create a board, which is really, really cool. This does connect to the sermon. I'm not just showing you my latest toy. Because <laughs> I know you're all thinking that. Oh, that's nice, Pastor Barry. We, that's not what we came here for. <laughs> so I bought this saw and Ruthie, we're talking last week and she's like, please don't go out and hurt yourself. That's such a wife comment. So I thought, okay, I'm going to tell her a story. I was watching one of these guys mill up a big old tree with a chainsaw mill, just like this, the same kind of mill I bought. Except he had, this is an 18 inch, just to give you some reference, this is an 18 inch bar on here, so it's a foot and a half long. He had a 42 inch bar, so three and a half feet long. So it's like way out there. And he's got this big log and he's milling this thing and he's got it turned vertically like this, completely vertically, and I'm watching this. And the end of that bar is probably an inch or less from the ground as he's pulling this through here. And, I, and I'm watching him, and he's like this, and he's got his foot right here, and he's got this mill, or this chainsaw, and he's pulling it along, and I'm thinking this is not going to end well because he's getting closer and closer and closer with the tip of that bar to his foot. Now, this guy had been doing it for a very long time, and 
he got about a foot away and he stopped and he looks at the camera and he says, now listen, you've got to always be aware of where your bar is and especially the tip of your bar, he said, because if you're not, he said, people will take this thing and they will cut off the end of their foot before they even know they've done it. Ruthie's like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I tell you that story this morning for a reason. And, and it's this. Here's, here's the truth, and I hope that story makes this stick with you. Anytime a part of the body is cut off and separated from the rest of the body, it doesn't end well. You, you cut off a leg or a foot or an arm or a finger, and it's separated from the rest of the body, and that piece is never going to live or thrive or survive. That's, that's the principle. Y'all get that? Now let's put some scripture to that this morning. We're going to be in Philippians, but let me just share with you, and you can turn if you want. I think we've got it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13. This is what Paul said. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Here's what I want you to realize this morning, and I, I, I suspect you all know this. I just don't know if you've thought about it in these terms. We are the body of Christ. Metaphorically, if you will, the, the church is described as we are the body of Christ. And I believe the principle that holds true with this chainsaw and any body part holds true when it comes to you and to me and to the body of Christ. No part that is cut off and detached from the rest of the body is going to live or survive or thrive for very long. Let me read you another passage in Romans. Paul said in Romans, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We are the body of Christ, and each one of us, we need to be actively involved with the rest of the body, or we will find ourselves struggling spiritually. And I would say this to you this morning, okay? I would say this to you this morning. If you find yourself struggling spiritually, you find yourself spiritually weak, you find yourself spiritually dry, you find yourself spiritually detached, it, it, may be, it may not be that you need more me time, because that is the American way, right? If I'm not feeling good, what I need to do is back up and take care of me. Now listen, if you're not praying and you're not reading the Word of God and you're not doing the devotional parts that you need to do to take care of you, then okay, that may be true. But do you know a lot of times the problem isn't that I need to put more energy and effort into me. It's that I need to reattach myself to the body and serve the body. That's so contrary to just intuition. It's been a lot of years ago, or a handful of years ago now, I, I remember reading a, a book on overcoming burnout, just being tired and burnout and, and 
getting to the place where you just don't want to go to your job because you hate it, or you don't want to do your ministry because you hate it, you don't want to deal with people, I won't say you hate them, but you just like them, you just don't want to be around them. Some of you have been there, you get it. And they said, they, they said the thing, sometimes the answer is not to quit or to do less, it's to actually go find something that you love and do more. Do you understand what I'm saying? Go find something that you're passionate about and serve them, serve people. And if you'll do that, what, what it does, what it, what it means is you're making yourself, again, an active part of the body. And it's through that being an active part of the body that we find life and health and the things that God has called us to. Nothing separated from the body can live, thrive, or survive for very long. It just can't. It just won't. Let's look at Philippians this morning. Philippians chapter 1. And let me just begin this morning with verse 1 and uh, show you that Paul's talking to the church today because sometimes we preach these things and think, oh, he's talking to a bunch of heathen, and, and he's not. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So notice that. He says, this is to all the saints. Think church. This is to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. All the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, along with the overseers and the deacons. This is to the church. This is to the church. Jump down with me this morning, then. Uh, and, and actually, just let me continue to read on, chat, or verse 2 on, on down through uh, a, a few more verses. We're going to read down through verse 7. He says to the church, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because, your partnership, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day into now. So you guys say this with me. I hate it when preachers do this, but I'm going to do it this morning. Say partnership. Partnership. This is a partnership, okay? He said, Paul says, I take great joy in all of my prayers for you because of your partnership in the gospel. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to preach there next week, but not this week, okay? Um, we're a work in progress. Some people don't want to be a part of the life of the church because it's not good enough. It's not perfect enough. If you've ever heard this, I wish I had a quarter for every time I heard this. The church is full of hypocrites. No, well, sometimes the church is full of hypocrites. It does happen. But more times than not, those that want to cry the church is full of hypocrites, what they really mean is the church is full of imperfect, imperfect, broken, still working on me people. Right? You're, he, Paul says, you're a work in progress. That's next week. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Now jump down with me this morning to verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, 
are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This, this verse 15 has always amazed me. Okay, Talk about Paul being a guy with a lot of forgiveness, compassion, and grace. Look what he says in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. Do you know there's people in the church that their, their whole purpose, their whole motivation is envy and rivalry. It's to be better. It's to one-up. It's to get ahead. It's to manipulate. It's to make money. There's all kinds of things like that. Paul says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, work in progress, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition in the church. Paul says in the church, selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. In that I rejoice. We're a work in progress. Some of us are a little further down the road than others, and some of us, there are some that are a real work in progress. That's not a reason not to be a part of the life of the church. Because any part that is separated from the body will not live, thrive, or survive for very long. Right? Spiritual chainsaws are not a good thing. They are not a good thing. Go with me back up to verse 3 this morning. Paul says this. He says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. A bunch of years ago, in fact, I think Bob and Shelley, and I don't know if anybody else here went or not, Pastor Duke took a group of people from here to Phoenix, Arizona. Tommy Barnett, First Assembly of God in Phoenix. Did any of you go? I, I don't, I, who did? Jimmy did, Jim did. Tommy Barnett, at the time, he ran a school of ministry out there, and they would have a parade of ministry, and it, 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 I, I couldn't find, I, I don't know where the DVD is. When we planted Crossroads in South Bend, we were so got by what they were doing at Phoenix First Assembly of God that we ended up borrowing the DVD of the parade of ministry and showing it to our congregation and then ended up buying the thing and showing it to our congregation. But Tommy Barnett, that was a big church and they had a huge stage. I mean, it was a stage the size, they would literally drive cars onto the platform, okay? That's how big, that, that's what I'm talking about, okay? But they would do this parade of ministry and they would bring people across there and people would come and they would do puppet ministry and they would do homeless ministry and they would do van ministry and they would do clothes ministry and, and they had like 100 or 200 different ministries that were going on out of that church. It was, it was incredible. And, and some of them were just the most bizarre things. I can remember one story I heard about it uh, of this ministry that took place. Um, they, they, a couple had gone out there and they had said, we, we want to, we just, you, you know, we want to see what's going on. And somebody said, well, come with us. We do, we do bus ministry every week. Come in, and, and come on our bus ministry with us. Well, like you and like I, I would think you're going to go get on a bus and you're going to drive around and you're going to pick up kids on a bus and you're going to bring them back to church. And, and when they started to get the details, they said, no, you need to be out here at this location at, at five, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning. And we're going to go do our bus ministry during the week. And they thought, well, that's 
kind of weird, but okay, we'll do it. So they showed up and they loaded them, not in a bus, but in a van, big old van, as I recall. And they went down and they found the bus stop. And where the bus stop was, they got out and they set up a, t- uh, a table. I don't know if they had a generator or how it worked, but they got out a big pot of water and they got this boiling water. This is, this is a cold, I mean, as cold as it gets in Phoenix, I suppose, but it was, a, you know, if it's 40 and if it's 50 in Phoenix, they're, Ruthie can tell you, she's been out there recently. They're bundled up, freezing to death, and they made hot chocolate, and their bus ministry was not go get the bus and go drive and pick up kids. It was go down to where the kids get on the school bus every morning and let those kids, when they come to stand to get on the bus, they made a big pot of hot chocolate, and they would give those kids free hot chocolate every morning, every single morning of the week. Tommy Barnett understood this principle, and I believe we have got to understand this principle. We are partners in the gospel. If you're at a place in your life where you're feeling dry, you're feeling weak, you're feeling spiritually dead, you're struggling with those things, I encourage you this morning, take a moment and step back and look and ask yourself, am I engaged, actively involved in the body of Christ in the work of the gospel in some form or another? Because if you're feeling that sense of dryness, if you're feeling that sense of separation, it may be, it may be that that's where the problem lies. Now listen, for some of you this morning, maybe, and maybe it's more in the next service, I'm not, on, I'm not being recorded, so I'll say this. You know all the heathen come to the second service, right? You guys laugh because I'll probably tell them the same thing about the first service. So just, just for complete transparency. Maybe they need to hear. But you know what? Maybe, maybe this morning you're here and what you need to hear is the same message, not because you're not engaged, but because you're tired and you're questioning and you're asking, why do I do this? Right? Why do I do this? And the answer is because God has called us to a partnership in the gospel. Y'all know what the gospel is, right? It's the fact, the reality that God's plan has been fulfilled in Jesus and there's no human being in this world that cannot have a healthy relationship with God. But they don't know that. And the gospel is figuring out a way to tell them. For this couple in the van, it was, I'm gonna tell kids every week, Jesus is a reality by giving them hot chocolate. called to be an active, living part of the body of Christ. Gospel is God's business. I'll say this to you this morning. God-sized dreams always require a partnership. Is there anybody here that prefers to work alone? Prefers to work alone? I do. I would much rather work alone. And it's not that I don't like people or I, it's just, I don't know, I just, I just work better alone. But you are never going to have a God-sized dream if you can accomplish it alone. Partnership. Say, Pastor Barry, I don't know, God's given me a dream and I think I can do it by myself. The dream may be from God, the size is not. We are called to be the church, and the church requires partnership and working and effort together to accomplish. I I taught this last Wednesday, I believe maybe the Wednesday before. When Jesus left this earth, he left 11 men 
and 120 in the church and said, your mission is to preach the gospel to tell the whole, to the whole world, tell the whole world to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and every piece and part of the world. You 131 people became 132 when they brought somebody in to replace Judas. You 132 people, your responsibility, that's a God-sized dream. That's a God-sized dream that can never be accomplished by one person or two people or 132 people. It requires a partnership. We're called to that partnership of the gospel, and it's in that partnership that we find ourselves remaining alive in Christ. You'll find on the banner behind me here, what does it say? Reach, grow, empower. That's a dream. That's a God-sized dream. That, that, that's our mission. We put it up there. That was the mission, the, the, the dream that God gave me when I came here uh, to be your pastor. Reach, grow, and empower. And the dream's still in place. COVID has made it change. It's made it um, rework a little bit. It's made the method, methodology go a different direction. It's changed the pace that I thought it was going to happen. It's, it's changed the way I thought it was going to happen. But the dream's still alive. That's a God-shaped dream to reach, to grow, and to empower because it's bigger than any one person or any two people or any staff or any staff and any group of directors can accomplish in and of themselves. Reach, grow, empower. Let me tell you about the dream this morning if I can for a moment. It's, it's there, it's been there for a long time in my own life and my own heart. The reach part of it is this. I happen to know, and you do as well as I do, that there are people all across this west southwest side of Indianapolis. We could talk about Avon. We could talk about Plainfield. We could talk about um, Mooresville. We could talk about Canby. We could talk about Heartland Crossing. We could talk about Decatur. We could talk about a number of other areas in between. We could talk about other cities. But there are people, lots of people, many, many people in that area that have never been reached with the reality, despite the TV, despite the radio, despite the church on every corner, they've never been reached with the reality that Jesus Christ is their means of having their spiritual heart restored to right relationship with God. They don't know that. And I happen to believe God has called us to do that. But it's bigger than one person. It's a partnership. I believe there's little kids. I was talking with somebody just a week, two weeks ago now in my office, and I, and I said, I still have this dream of there being a day where God allows us to run buses and vans, even though our vans are now sitting in the back with all the catalytic converters cut off of them because somebody thought the church would be a great target and they, they needed meth money, I guess. True, they're, they're gone. We're working on that right now. We just found that out last week. That would roll into this parking lot on Sunday mornings and kids pour into this church to hear about Jesus. Ruthie comes to me regularly and says, can we spend this money? Can we spend that money on kids' ministry? And, and I'm, I'm relatively frugal as such things go, but I'm going to tell you most of the time the answer is yes. Let's make our kids' ministry the most incredible ministry that it can possibly be because I still believe that that mission on that banner is what God has called us to, and it's a partnership. I believe there are kids in Decatur, in Heartland Crossing, in Plainfield, in Mooresville, in Camby, in Avon, 
that unless, unless somebody, and you know it's easy to say somebody, because when you say somebody, what you really mean is somebody else, unless somebody takes it upon themselves to tell them about the reality of Jesus Christ's salvation, they're going to live their lives never knowing. And they're going to spend eternity separated from God. I think you could take that reality and you could press that on into junior high and high school kids. I got the same dream. I have the same vision. I have the same desire. I I, I have that same thought that God has called us to take that to those that are in junior high and high school. I have the same passion for those that are young adults that have graduated high school that are wandering through life with no idea where they're going or what they're going to do or how they're going to get there. And I believe you could carry it on into single moms. I believe you could carry it on into adults of all ages. I believe you could take it into our seniors. The reality is that the reality is, unless people hear the gospel, however old they are, unless they hear the gospel and they come to know Jesus as their Savior, you know this. I'm not preaching new information to you. That unless they come to know Jesus as their Savior, they're going to spend eternity in hell. You guys know death isn't optional. Right? The question isn't if you're going to die. The question is when are you going to die? And, you, you know, you can get theological with me and talk about the rapture. And, okay, there will be a generation that miss it, but for the rest of us, death is an optional. Right? People need to know. It requires a partnership. have this dream that we can be a place that helps believers grow. Little kids grow to know how to pray. Little kids grow to be able to not only quote, but understand John 3.16. I believe I have this dream that we can see the same thing. We can have junior high and high schoolers have such a deep, passionate love relationship with Jesus that all the hooks and all the pulls and all the attractions of the fun stuff in this world are not enough to cause them to walk away from that relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe we can have that. I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a dream of a place where not only do you reach and not only do you grow, but you can train and teach and empower people to do the work of the ministry. We can live out that Ephesians 4.11 model. Like I said, COVID's changed the path and the avenue and the means, but folks, the dream's not changed. You've learned, I've learned, I've, and I'm still, I got so much more to learn about social media and video and lighting and cameras and stuff that I'll be honest with you, I had no desire. I didn't want to learn that stuff. Dan asked me six months or before COVID in March, I, I don't know, a few months before, I can remember him asking me right up here, he said, Pastor Barry, have you ever thought about putting the service on Facebook Live? I said, yeah, I've thought about it a few times, but I, I said, unless we can really do it well, I, I, we, I, just, I just don't want to do it. Not unless we can really do it well. So I, that may not be exactly right, but that was, that was what I was thinking here, Dan. I don't know what I said, but that's what I was thinking here. And then COVID hit, and guess what? God has, God has a way, all right, of getting you where he wants you, 
You say, are you telling me, Pastor Barry, that COVID came just to get you to get on, on Facebook? No, I'm not that arrogant or that self-absorbed, but I think he can use all things for good to the glory of God. I was just talking with Joe this morning, and he, he was telling about a friend of his that came up to him and quoted something to him last week or two weeks ago and said, hey, you know where that came from? And it, it was a quote out of a sermon. The man's never been in this church, in, 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 uh, at least in a service, in his life, but he's watched something on Facebook, and he picked up, you all probably don't even remember it, but this, this guy does. He, he's, I thought, all right, good, God. You're using, you're using Facebook, as messed up as Facebook is, you're using it to present the gospel to somebody that is not yet willing to come into the church building. Right? The dream's still there. I'm still trying to figure out how we use those avenues to do the training, to do the teaching, to do the discipleship, to do the growing. How, how do we make that happen? How does that all work? But here's the thing. The dream is big enough that it takes partnership. It's bigger than any one person, two people, or 20 people can accomplish. It takes partnership. And I'm so appreciative of so many of you as I look around here. So many of you are so involved in, this, in the church in all different avenues. I mean, I, we've got, this is a great church. We've got people that do everything from just caring for the property and the building to working in kids' ministry to helping with worship and the sound that goes on here and, and, and coming in and help, helping during the week with putting together. I mean, just it goes on and on and on. And you guys are probably not the ones that need to hear this this morning because you need to become engaged because I look around and I'm thinking everybody in this room is extremely engaged in the work of the ministry. You're already in partnership but maybe the reason to preach it this morning is to let you know that you're doing the right thing, that you're on the right path, that God will bless your efforts, but also to help you to understand that, that those that are now currently actively involved are not enough to reach the dream and ask you to pray with me. We had a guest last week came in, and I was talking to him a bit, and um, he said a couple things that caught my attention. He said... I asked him if they were coming from another church or, you know, what they're, where, where they, where they, why they, I mean, I, I was trying to ask nicely, why are you here? <clears throat> and if I said it that way, that would come up because that wasn't what I meant. And uh, he said, well, I said, were you a part of another church? He said, yeah, we've been a part of a lot of churches over the other, uh, over a lot of years. And, and I thought, okay. That always gives me a little pause, but, but then he said, but, you know, and he mentioned his age, and he said, basically, I've, I've lived enough life that I've, ha I've just been in that place. So he didn't mean by it what it sounded like. Um, and then I found out that the church had closed, so that's why they were here and brought some friends with them last week as well, which I'm not happy a church closed, but I'm glad that somebody's coming here for that reason. And, but then he said, and I, I was really, really involved in working at my old church. Now, I've prayed this prayer seven years. God, raise up and bring in leaders and workers. Another way you could say that is, God, raise up and bring in partners. Partners to help us live out the dream that you've given us. And maybe you need to hear this message this morning because 2021 needs to be the year where you, if you're not already, you join with me in prayer and asking God, raise up and bring in partners.
Now, if somebody's engaged actively and healthily in another church, that's not who I'm praying God bring along, okay? I mean, when Ginger was leading worship, we, we had a couple instances where people tried to recruit her. Pastors tried to recruit her. I didn't appreciate that very much. I appreciated her telling them no. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's tried to recruit Cheryl or any of the rest of our worship team, but I hope not. That's, that's, not, that's not the goal. That's not the purpose. My prayer is God raise up and you bring in as you will, right? Because there are those that are, God does move people. There are circumstances, there are times, there are situations, there are places where you, you, you're just dry or you're not, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that God does do, but let's leave that in God's hands, right? God will take care of it. Partnership. We've got to be a part of the body, actively involved as a part of the body. And it's 10.30. I hate when I run out of minutes before I run out of sermon. Let me end with this. I've been at this long enough to know I've preached this type of message many times over the years. And inevitably, somebody will come and say, Pastor Barry, let's go do this or let's go do that. And they're excited. And, and I'm, I'm always happy for that. But Usually what it means is they want to move from A, where we are now, to D, what I've described, but they don't understand you have to go through B and C to get to D. Does that make sense? One of the things about Tommy Barnett I appreciated, he told the story. He said, I have people come into my office all the time, and they say to me, Pastor Tommy, God's given me a dream for a ministry, and... Um, can we have your blessing to go do it? And they would share the dream, whatever it might be. And he said, I, he said, I, I realized a couple things pretty quickly. One of what was what they were really saying was, can you give me money? And the second thing was, a lot of times people have a dream, but they don't have the follow through to make it happen. So he said, I came to the place where people would come in and they would share a dream. And unless it was just something completely off the wall, he said, I would look at him and I'd say, that is awesome. God bless you. You go pursue that. You put all your heart and your mind and your passion into that and, and come back and talk to me in about six months. And, and at that time, if God is blessing it, then, then we'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk through as a church what the church might be able to do to, to continue to move that forward for you. And he said, what that did was I found out who was really committed, who was really faithful, who was really willing to sacrifice to make it happen. Because he, like I and many, watch people get excited, which is not a bad thing, but they don't realize the hard work day in, day out, when your joints ache and your body aches and you don't feel good and you still have to get up and go out and sit by that van and serve the chocolate to those kids because they're going to notice the day you're not there. And you got nobody else to call and say, hey, can you come and cover for me? That's the level of partnership that it takes to reach that kind of dream. It's hard. It's work. It means giving up things that I want to do to fulfill what God's called me to do. Leave you with these last things. And I think, Christine, it's the last slide. Here's, here's five things 
that you really can pour yourself into that if you need to re-engage, they will help you do it. The first one is this. Take a moment. Take some time. If you're feeling separated and cut off, rearrange your priorities. That sometimes that's required to engage and become a part of the life of the church. Rearrange your priorities. Recommit to being consistently a part. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to be a partner when you're only here twice a year. I love and appreciate Christmas and Easter Christians. I hope they go to heaven. But it's hard to hand an area of ministry off to somebody that you're only going to see on Christmas and Easter. You understand what I'm saying? Recommit to being cons consistently apart. Build relationships. You're never, ever going to be able to serve well and to fulfill the dream if you don't care about people and have those relationships. Build relationships. Ask and accept. Ask Pastor Barry, Pastor Ruthie, is there some place I can help? And when the answer is, yes, there is, and here is what it is, accept what's needed. Don't be the guy or the, the, the lady that says, I really want to be involved in this ministry. And again, Tommy Barnett, I think, one telling the story. People come, I want to be involved in the television ministry, Pastor Tommy. And, and he'd say, okay, we need somebody to come in and sweep the floors on the set every morning, two hours before the, the set rolls. And they'd be like, no, I was thinking something else. I, I was kind of wanting something in front of the camera. <laughs> okay, start sweeping the floor and then we'll talk about the rest. Ask and accept. Ask, is there something that can be done? And then accept what's needed to be done. And lastly is this, and I'm, I will end with this, and this is going to be what I want to preach about next week. Adjust your expectations. This church is not perfect. You don't have to say amen. This pastor is not perfect, and you certainly do not have to say amen. I know that. You know that. I know it because I'm a part of this church. You know it, if you'll be honest, because you're a part of this church. This church is not perfect. We're, an, we're a work in progress. I hit that at the beginning of this message. We're a work in progress. People are going to be, do stupid things. They're going to frustrate you and irritate you and aggravate you. And sometimes, frankly, you're not going to like them very much. People you're in partnership with. Adjust your expectations. Just because you have those days, those weeks and months, and maybe it stretches into years, I don't know. It doesn't mean you walk away from the partnership when you walk away, picked up a spiritual chainsaw and you said, God, I no longer need the body. Scripture's pretty clear. Even when we're annoying, even when we're silly, even when we do ridiculous things, we're meant to be part of the body of Christ. That's where our spiritual health comes from. Spiritual health comes from. Would you stand this morning? And I've held you five minutes after, six minutes after try not to do that, but let's pray, and I'm, I, I want to let you slip out of here. we got another, another, another service coming in. Father, I thank you for this word this morning, and I thank you for those that are here to hear it, and I pray, God, today, help us to be partners, but Lord, he, he, even more than that, I pray this prayer, God, help us to grab a hold of the dream that we see on the, the banner every week. Help, help us, Lord, to grab a hold of the dream and begin to pray, God, raise up and bring in partners. Lord, that we can make a difference on the southwest side of Indianapolis. Lord, I ask it today. God, put it deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.